and welcome to the EdSurge On Air podcast. I'm Sydney Johnson, Assistant Editor at EdSurge Higher Ed. It's no secret that even the best instructors may not be able to reach every student in their classroom or lecture hall. And that's often because there's a disconnect between what students expect from college teaching and what actually ends up happening in the classroom. That's why this week, we aren't talking about student learning experiences. We're letting students tell us. Today's guests are three members from EdSurge Independent, a completely student-run group that meets weekly to discuss ideas around higher education and technology. These students joined the online town hall series EdSurge Live last month to share what they wish faculty knew about students today and propose ways to fuse those frustrating instructional gaps. The guests are Angeli Law, an MBA student at MIT Sloan School of Management and a strategic summer associate at Boston Public Schools. Next is Patrick Grady-O'Malley, who's pursuing a master's degree in digital humanities at the Graduate Center CUNY, and who also holds a master's in educational communications and technology from NYU. And last is Megan Simmons, an undergraduate at Barnard College in New York City, where she studies political science. Megan is also the director of programming for Student Voice, a national nonprofit that represents students pushing for more equitable schools. These students have a lot to say, and we'll hear from them right after this short break. This episode of the EdSurge On Air podcast is brought to you by the EdSurge Next newsletter. Get the latest news and views about higher education technology each week. Sign up for the EdSurge Next newsletter. Just visit edsurge.com and click on subscribe. Thanks you three, first of all, for joining us. I guess just to get started, since we're talking about how students feel about teaching and, and things that they come to expect, you know, what are some of the channels that currently exist, if any, for students to interact with their faculty or instructors around teaching and curriculum? It's been my experience <clears throat> that faculty have been always open to hear anything throughout the semester. So, I mean, there is that option of just directly approaching them with some sort of immediate concern or question. However, I think the whole system could benefit if there were more like town hall things like this, where faculty got together with the students, you know, outside of class, just like for in a formal, informal type meeting, just to discuss the curriculum going forward. And I don't think that students have enough input into it. And I do think that is a shame. And I wish there were better ways of giving out my concerns other than at the end of the semester when you fill out those um, teacher evals. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And I'm sure all three of you have some degree of experience with this. It seems like end of the semester or end of the quarter teacher evaluations, that tends to be one of the most direct uh, ways that students do provide feedback. I mean, do you think that students take those sorts of evaluations seriously, or do faculty even take those sorts of uh, evaluations seriously? What do you guys think? Um, at least in my experience, students definitely take those really seriously because it is sort of the one institutional way that we can give our thoughts that is um, really validated by the school and its own process. However, I don't always feel as though that seriousness is being reciprocated um, to the point where I know on my campus, there's actually kind of an underground website for rating professors, giving advice to future students, and sharing the workload. And it was created almost as a way to give warning to 
um, future students when that feedback really was not being taken seriously. Mm. So it was a way to say, you know, if they're not going to listen to us, we're still going to warn future students about whether they should take this class or not. And so that's really frustrating is that students definitely take those seriously, but um, maybe that might not always be taken as seriously by the university. Um, this is Angela here. From my point, I think it really depends on what types of students. Um, given that most uh, evaluation form is done at the end of the um, semester, a lot of students feel that, well, even if I provide that feedback, it doesn't really benefit um, ourselves in, in, in that scenario. So um, it really depends on like um, how, how eager the student is to, to help improve the whole situation and the course specifically. Um, I think in, in terms of the timing of course evaluation being only at the end affects the um, flexibility in which the professor could make adjustments and also students to be more eager in participating in that progress. I see, for example, some professors doing an informal um, course evaluation midway of, of the semester, um, creating their own surveys and say, what do you feel about it? And then actively take some time within that lecture to say, here's a summary of the feedback I've received. Here's what I would do based on these feedback. And I think that communication um, and awareness uh, from students' um, point of view, it's really being uh, taken care of and considered is um, very important. The other stakeholder that we often forget is the um, teaching assistants. This role currently in, in a lot of the cases are treated as people working on administrative work for the professor or like marking of papers, but that person in actual could be a great channel in which these communications of what's going well, what's not, and, and solicit, active soliciting of, of feedback could be done. We've been talking a lot about evaluations for teaching, but I'd love to dig into the teaching itself as well. So what are some examples of uh, college teaching that have really stood out to any of you? With the blended learning, I'd say that, for example, I had an intro to the cognitive sciences in my earlier program at NYU, and it was largely uh, lecture-based, and that was very helpful, and there was a great deal of readings outside of class, but we were also expected to um, participate within this online environment that was created through our school. And I mean, it, it was easier to create it for this class because this was like a core class that pretty much everyone in the program had to take. It was very, very helpful. There were just so many different ways to engage with the curriculum and the topics. Um, and it was all very multimodal. So people learned through so many different ways. If something works better for you. There were activities and, and things to do that were more pertinent to that style of learning. And it was really be beneficial to me. There was this app that we were able to download on our phone that like reinforced a lot of the information. So part of my school's curriculum for your first year is a required first year seminar and then a first year writing course um, to get everybody on the same page as far as writing goes and what academic writing looks like. And then a seminar to make sure that you're not just drowning in, you know, 400 person lectures for all of those. So having those classes was so great. And one of my professors for one of them was absolutely incredible. And she was able to take us seriously, acknowledge that we were adults and that we were serious about being there 
but was also able to, you know, do the work of getting a first year student on track. And so I think mixing, taking your students seriously and acknowledging that they want to be there and that they are serious about being there just made such a big difference in the classroom mm -hmm. setting. Um, for me, I think classes that have the element of action learning would be something that excites me a, a lot. From, from a perspective of a business student, taking the theory into action is something really important and the relations to which our situations is related to problems in the real world. And I think this doesn't only apply to the business setting. For example, in, in um, the current MBA curriculum in MIT Sloan, there's a classes that is called action learning classes where it might be dependent on a specific geography that we are looking at, say China lab or India lab. So there is a, a overarching umbrella of what's to be learned, but within it, um, choices in which the project involved in doing um, that and that would be a, a choice for, for, from the students part as a team to, to work on it. So in some sense, I think that also links with the sort of um, input on curriculum. It's not necessarily that um, students need to have the, the whole flexibility of saying like, this is what I want to learn, this I don't want to learn, but somehow making the flexibility where they could link their specific interests, say on a specific company or a specific scenario with the um, overarching course objective and, and materials would be something that's more easy to, to implement and also from the student's perspective, much more enjoyable. Can I add something to it? Sure. Um, so I went to an expedientiary learning high school, which um, is essentially just a really fancy title for experimental and project-based learning. And I absolutely loved it. And the whole goal there is that every assessment that you're doing is project-based so that you have a product at the end of every assignment and every class, which I love because it really made me feel like I was actually producing something and that I was, you know, I was getting a lot more out of that than just, you know, cramming for a test, taking the test, and then forgetting the material within the next week. So anytime that I entered a classroom and I looked at the syllabus and saw that an assessment was coming from a project or a collaborative group effort or a presentation or something, where there is a physical product, even if it was a paper, I absolutely love that. So having that more um, project-based learning in the collegiate setting is something I'm a big fan of. Uh, we actually have a question from one of our attendees right now. It's from uh, Jerry Reed. Essentially, this is a follow-up to Patrick's statement uh, or sharing in regard to the kind of augmented online and the app piece to the course. Patrick that you were in. I'm, I'm curious in that online experience or in, in even in the app, was the faculty member or any teaching assistant involved or was that pretty much all student mediated? Uh, no, the faculty person had a great deal to do with it uh, as far as monitoring how it was being interacted with. There was a great deal of uh, learning analytics attached to it. So she was able to see just about everything we did. So she always knew I mean, we were assigned to do X amount of things within that environment, and, and she knew if we did or not. Did she um, react to things that were happening in the environment? So, or, or was everything kind of structured or staged and you went through it? She was able to add like comments to things and, um, and you know, like or dislike certain things. Like people would put up comments below. It was very social media-like in its um, interface 
And so, yeah, she was able to like interact with us as we would go through all those different parts of the online environment. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Jerry. Megan, uh, someone asked if you could share a couple examples of those project-based learning projects that you worked on. I'm wondering if you can maybe share a couple that you thought worked out really well. Sure. So at the end of my senior year of high school, I took a law and policy class my senior year of high school. And so at the end of the year, instead of having a final exam, we each were tasked with finding a problem related to policy, government, law, politics, um, and coming up with a way to fix it. So I was personally interested in voter turnout, why people don't vote, why people do vote, and why the United States has such low levels of voter turnout um, on both sides of the aisle. And I essentially, through my research, saw how low our civic education rates are and our civic education requirements are in K through 12 education. So what I ended up doing was creating the curriculum for a civic engagement class that would be taught to middle schoolers. I designed this curriculum, made worksheets, came up with projects, and was actually able to go spend a couple days in a local middle school teaching the class to see you know, how it went and how that engagement was. Um, after that, I had to write a final 10-page research paper and present to a panel of experts. So when I walked away, not only did I have a final grade for this class, but I had a paper, I had the experience of presenting, and I had, you know, this physical product that I could use in the future, whether that was in a job application or, you know, something like that. So it was much more meaningful, and I got so much more out of it than just taking a final exam for that class. So what was it like transitioning from that space into, um, you know, traditional lecture halls and I'm from Connecticut and I did my first year and a half of high school in Connecticut at a very traditional public school. Um, and then when I was a sophomore in high school, my family picked up, moved to South Carolina and the local school in our district just happened to be this experimental exponentiary learning high school. So I went from having that very typical lecture style class to transitioning to the project-based model, really, really enjoying it and feeling much more renewed in school. And then Trans, you know, going back to that original model um, more for college was definitely a rough transition. I was not, um, I definitely fell back into old habits as far as cramming for exams and, you know, not being, not spending as much time um, doing, you know, prep work in advance as I probably should have been doing. Um, so it was definitely kind of a rough transition, but I think the great thing was that, you know, college definitely gives you a lot more choice in the classes you take. And it was really helpful for me to be able to start diving right into my major from the beginning of college, which I'm really lucky that my school encourages us to not just start with the common core things, but um, to you know, really start diving into our majors and minors um, right from the second we get onto campus. What are some of the assumptions that are sometimes baked into courses about students? You know, we talk about digital natives and things like that. Fundamentally, we didn't think about this um, enough. Uh, a lot of situations in universities, we don't really talk about student-centered learning as much as we do in K-12, because um, I guess some of us would assume university is more academic and then it's more the uh, leveraging on the intellectual knowledge of the professor. And so it's from his approach to define how something should be taught or what needs to be taught. 
I don't necessarily feel that the student differences coming into the classroom was even considered when, when designing it, um, let alone having that discussion of what works for certain people, what kind of knowledge does um, that student bring into the table. I think um, it's a pity that we don't really have that conversation um, in the first place. A lot of the um, pushback of student-centered learning in the university level is because we feel like there's just too much students to consider and hence administratively it, it's it's more difficult to do that but with technology enabling the the understanding of um, say the students background a little bit more in the first place or even not using technology it might just be a simple upfront of um, passing out a, a little sheet as to like can you introduce a bit more about yourself why are you interested in this topic um, what knowledge regarding this topic are you familiar with i think there could be really low-tech solutions that are like um, really easy to implement to get a sense of at least what um, the student background is and what are their needs and wants for, for that course I'm glad you also brought up that example with the sort of low-tech solution of just getting to know your students at the beginning of the semester. Um, of course, that's probably difficult if you have an 800 student <laughs> lecture hall, but I'm curious if any of you have had faculty that have done anything like that and what difference did it make throughout the course of the semester? Yeah, I actually last semester had a really great professor who took that very seriously, having our input as far as um, what the syllabus should look like. And so we were moving things around based on all of our collective interests and goals for the course. And we even like tweaked out different readings. I mean, it was a very topical literature class. Like we chose just to watch different uh, German films that it was related to the topic and just to have that say in what seemed more interesting to us and like how we wanted to explore the topic made it feel like we had a lot more of a say. I, I know everyone felt that way. Uh, and I'd say that because we were able to choose so much of what we were learning about, like what didn't work out well was sometimes you just didn't know what to pick. The professor would like tell us to choose one of the one or two or three of the long list of uh, what we could watch or read or what sometimes you didn't really know. At the end of the day, it was all very interesting. How long did it take for the class to whittle it down? It was ongoing, like throughout the whole semester, really. Like we, we, kept, okay. we kept changing it. Like we kept like crossing off stuff and like writing stuff in the syllabus. And this is of course a small master's level course. Uh, Megan, can you imagine something like this happening in any of your uh, classes in, in your freshman term? Um, I did have one professor who, you know, throughout the semester, it wasn't, it, the conversation definitely was not framed in the same way that Patrick was describing, but almost like, okay, we've had five snow days, we can't do, you know, one week that's on the syllabus, what do you guys, of all of these, which one would you want to do least? Hmm. Um, and so I've definitely had that experience before, um, but nothing to the extent that Patrick is saying. Um, and then echoing back to your question a couple minutes ago about um, 
your professors trying to get to know you. I think, you know, it is hard because, you know, especially at the beginning of undergrad, a lot of classes do tend to be larger. And that's a lot of work for a professor to try to reach out individually and find a time with every student to talk to them or especially if they're not on campus five days a week, that sort of thing. But you know, in those smaller classes or those seminar classes, I think that having some sort of institutionalized mechanism for that to happen would be a huge help because one of the big things, at least at my school, that was a big selling point was you know mentorship from professors. But when there isn't really that institutionalized way to go about that and it's up to you know, the student to really reach out, that can be so intimidating for, you know, someone who's just gotten to college, someone who, you know, it, maybe you're going from like small, you know, private school to like some huge public university or vice versa, um, you know, to try to navigate that and also feel like this ownership of if I don't, you know, if I don't reach out to this professor, I'm not going to find the mentor that I have been imagining that I've been going to find. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's really tough. Uh, what are some ways that you think instructors could open up those channels and even just make it a more inviting environment to share feedback? Um, I had a professor at the beginning of us of my second semester have us each take one of those like a personality test but kind of like how do you best learn and something we found out was the majority of students learned really well through conversation and so she saw that from the first class and then really tailored the syllabus to going away from the lecture style as much as she could you know of course you can't always eliminate that completely but from then on try to do everything in her power to have the class be discussion based. So I think that that's, you know, just little things like that is trying to figure out, show, you know, showing students like making the effort to say, I know, like I'm the expert here as far as curriculum goes and no one's arguing that, but my curriculum is only as good as how you guys can learn it. And mm -hmm. so we have to make an environment in which you guys are best set up to get the most out of this curriculum. We, we have a question from our very own Michael Sano. Hi, everybody. I was just reflecting on, you know, we've talked a lot about these sort of traditional forms of feedback, you know, one-on-one -on -one professor to student or class to professor. And I know in my previous roles, I depended a lot on the student government and these sort of traditional mechanisms of gathering feedback from students. But a lot of times we'd get these messages from outside. You know, I think students would sometimes share more honest or more raw opinions through social media or these other websites. And I'm wondering, you know, how much should, you know, faculty and administrators pay attention to those messages? Where should they look for them? And how should they balance that with the messages they're getting in the more traditional ways? I'm thinking a little bit about like our underground like rating system. And I mean, I don't really know if I would want a professor to like go on there to get a honest, you know, honest feedback, because I feel like at that point, it's the people that feel so inclined to go on social media, to go on, you know, these websites, to go on these rating systems are either so extremely angry about how the class went or just love it so, so, so much and think that nothing would be changed. And I think you really capture the extremes there. So I don't think I'm really answering your question, but I think I'm saying more. I think you need something more for that, those middle people. Those people are like, yeah, this class was fine. You know, there are ways it could be better. It could definitely be worse too. And this is how, you know, I think it could get better. So I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of thinking out loud and saying what if almost there needs to be a separate platform than those feedback forms to capture that whole range of students so it can all be taken collectively. Um, with my old program, and this is at NYU in the ed tech program I was in, they 
had a Facebook page and it was just basically like an open marketplace of the program where students could connect with one another and also the faculty. The faculty were always engaged with that page and still are. I, I still get notifications from it. And it's just a way for faculty members to advertise available work positions and, and things like that. But it's also, I always see new students on there trying to like introduce themselves and get a sense of what they should expect from, for, you know, when they start, when they move to New York or, you know, whatever. It helped me a lot. I wouldn't necessarily say though, it ultimately does answer your question fully in the sense that uh, there wasn't a lot of feedback on classes on that page just because faculty were so intertwined with what was going on with it. So I don't think anyone would ever say anything. <laughs> really good or bad about a specific class or faculty member right there in such a public forum. We are almost out of time. So with our last couple minutes, I wanted to just ask each of you if you could answer this in, in one sentence as briefly as possible. If there is one thing you wish that faculty or instructors knew about students today that, that you think they don't, what is it? I think for me, mine would be that students care and students are interested and students are invested in the course and we wouldn't be there if we weren't. For me, I know that everyone comes with baggage and there's things going on in everyone's lives and it's hard to, you know, be everywhere at once, but it just, it's, it's the worst thing when you have a situation and, and the faculty person, a member won't budge and, and kind of help you with some leeway because they think you're making up an excuse. I really hate that. For me, I feel like um, if professors tend to see uh, students as a, a partner in which you could work with instead of someone that you have to serve or, or see yourself as superior, students know more than students and I think making sure that you you treat them as a, a partner in making that course a um, fruitful experience for everyone is a, a better mentality to adopt. This podcast was edited by me, Sydney Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on Twitter, your favorite podcast app, or wherever else you like to get your news. And tune in next week for more on the future of education.